Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Hey there, neighbors. On the Tech Night Now Live this week, we'll feature Jason Sell of Macworld Magazine, Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show, and Steve Crucian, Mr. Gadget, with a final wrap-up of holiday cheer and gadgets. All this and more on the Tech Night Now Live. <laughs> with Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine, where he's editorial director and he has all of these positions that we can hardly talk about. We're going to focus on you know current issues in the Mac universe, but also about the fact that the iPod became 10 years old. And I guess when that thing first came out, we didn't take it too seriously. It seemed like some kind of silly indulgent. Who wants a digital music player? It was a little expensive. It only worked on the Mac. Yeah, I was there when they launched it, and I thought it was pretty cool. The question for me was... When would people embrace digital music? I had already ripped, you know, gigabytes worth of music from my CDs to my hard drive. So for me, it was a kind of a no-brainer. I was a little worried about the price. But Apple started slow with that product. The iPod wasn't an immediate hit because they needed to roll it out to Windows and make it compatible with USB, which took a couple of years. But then it took off. And although the iPod as a product, as it was conceived of 10 years ago, is sort of at the end of its life now, it's amazing how you've got this huge sort of 10-year life cycle. It's come and is going. But it completely transformed Apple as a brand, you know, as viewed by consumers and set it on the path where it would end up creating these other products like the iPhone and the iPad that have made it the success it is today. And think here, if Apple was only producing Macs in 2011, where would they be? That's a good piece of speculation. If there was no iPod. I think there's two ways to view that. One is, you know, the Mac as a business is doing well, very well, in in an industry, the PC industry, that's doing terribly. So you could view it that way. But if you do the what if, the time travel, I'm going to step through a portal and go back and kill the inventor of the iPod in the moment before he would invent the iPod, what would happen? I think Apple would be, maybe would be here. So I guess the the question is what would have happened if they hadn't invented the iPod? You know, Steve Jobs was at Apple. (laughs) They would have come up with something else. But so my answer is going to be the iPod transformed how people thought of Apple. The The iPod was the first Apple product that a lot of people bought. They bought, you know, people who use PCs, and they thought Apple was this weird brand that made these weird incompatible, incompatible computers. And the combination of the iPod being a desirable product and a product that was really fun and that people loved to use and integrated into their lives once they got it, along with the Apple retail stores, so that Apple had a presence nearby of lots and lots of people, that is the recipe for Apple's success for the rest of the decade, really, because it got people to reconsider Apple as a, as a brand and redefine what Apple meant as a company to be something more than just the Mac, which for people who weren't Mac users, that was not a really great endorsement. Uh, but then it became identified with the, the love they felt for their iPod, and then they could go into the Apple store And they could view it as the iPod store if they really wanted to, right? But they would get in there and there were Macs in there. And Apple always felt like if people could see and try out their Macs, that they would would be interested in them and they would buy them and they would love them. And that turns out that's exactly what happened. Well, the other thing, of course, the other issue here is that the movement to Windows certainly made a big difference. That, that is a part, a key part of the strategy, is that if the iPod was a Mac-only product forever, 
And as we know from the Walter Isaacson biography of Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs wanted it to be a Mac-only product, and he had to get talked out of it by his uh, colleagues at Apple. <laughs> they had to say, no, no, Steve, we need to do this for Windows, too. And, and it would have been a niche product because somebody else would have come up with something that was decent but not as good as the iPod, but it would have worked on the PC, and it would have been huge. And instead, Apple took that. Apple took that market. They, they put it on Windows. They did iTunes for Windows. They made it work with USB. And that got Apple's products in front of people who had never bought an Apple product before, or if they had, it was a Mac back in the 80s, and then they'd given up and switched to a PC. The, the Apple brand was dead to them. It did not exist, or if it existed, it was not something positive. And instead, it turned into... It, it, that, that was the the rock rolling down the hill that turned into the you know giant snowball <laughs> rolling down the hill, right? I mean, it was getting people to think of Apple products positively in a way that non-Mac users didn't think of Apple. And that changed everything. And that, that really is why Apple is what it is today and has this uh, success that it has. And of course, the question here is, can there be an iPod, an iPhone, or an iPad in the future of Apple in the next few years? What kind of products did Steve Jobs envision? They talk about a possible connected TV, but that's a big question mark, isn't it? We don't know if that's really... A TV set or some kind of modified Apple TV or what? Do you think it's a TV set? I don't know. I mean, I, I think the bulk of Apple's business in the next five or ten years is going to be things that are already out there. The uh, ways of taking what we do with a, a smartphone or a tablet or a, or a laptop and doing more with that. So, you know, more uh, iPhones and iPads and, and laptops and maybe iPads that are more like laptops or laptops that are more like iPads. This TV thing, you know, it's just, it's really tough. I think Apple is going to try everything it can to push television stuff forward. I'm just not sure that we live in a in an environment where that's possible because of the structure of cable and satellite companies and the structure of uh, the, the finances of movie studios. And because for most people, it's the cable company that controls their internet and the cable company doesn't want to be reduced to just being an ISP, right? The cable company wants to be uh, your premium television source, entertainment source too. And uh, that's a tough, that's a lot of different um knots to try to untie even for apple so and also right now you're going to see more and more wireless phones with your cable provider yeah i mean it's because all, it looks it's, like verizon made a deal with several of those providers it's all tied together right because the wireless providers are just like the cable companies in that they don't want to end up just being an internet service provider for content development that happens uh, somewhere else. They, they, they don't want to be that. They, they feel like if they're just a pipe, uh, that's what the metaphor that always gets used. The big problem here, Jason, would be if everybody's streaming content to your TV, and of course Cox or Comcast or Warner or Cable, whatever company, they're losing business because content is being sent by these other providers and their pipes are being filled. In the end, they're going to say, wait a minute, we have to expand our infrastructure to handle that capacity. You pay the difference, and suddenly nobody's saving money in killing the cord. Yeah, I mean, um, the economics of it are questionable. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what anybody can do about it. I mean, Apple, if Apple really wanted to change things, I think it would have to be radical. It would have to make deals with all of the all of the networks or make deals with, uh, all the cable and satellite providers, or something, something huge. 
At which point, I think we'd hear about it, and we and, haven't heard anything like. And the one thing, like well, yeah, but Apple doesn't always pre-announce the deals. No, 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 no. It's not about Apple. If they're going to make deals with third parties, the third parties talk. Apple of course, doesn't talk. Of course. The third parties talk, and we haven't heard. And I'm sure that if they were talking to Time Warner Cable or Comcast or Directv, it would have leaked out, and it hasn't, which means they're not talking. Probably not. I had a wacky idea, and this is a wacky idea, and you don't have to take it seriously. In my idea, had it this way. And that is that Apple simply works with your cable provider or your satellite provider, but they bring the content into their interface on their TV set. So you're viewing Cox's station lineup or Comcast station lineup, but you're seeing Apple interfacing with it. You're looking at an Apple user interface, and when you click on your DVR, you're seeing the Apple interface. It's almost, in a sense, like what TiVo does with some of their licensing agreements, maybe something like that. But that's wacky, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like something Apple would do. And more likely, Apple would build its own hardware, um, but have it, you know, be cable card compatible or something like that. And the problem is that the once you start using cable cards, first off, you, you can't do satellite that way. And there are lots of limitations, um, which means you got to wonder whether that would lead to a simple Apple-like product or whether it would be something kind of complex and weird like, like TiVo, which is, which is more complex, I think, than, than uh, they would like it to be. So Jason I, Snell I'm, joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. More to come. Hi, friends. This is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities, all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption. You can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. Do you know that Where To is a worldwide location finder for the iPhone? It allows you to easily find the closest and best rated restaurants, shops, and services with an easy, intuitive interface. And my personal favorite, an augmented reality view to see the results in 3D. You can find it at the App Store or from this direct link, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O. Check it out. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. 
Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. In a coming apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Jason Snell on the Tech Night Owl Life with Gene Steinberg, we're looking into the possibilities of an Apple-connected TV. What was the code? What was the secret that Steve Jobs had cracked? What did he come up with before he died that he revealed to Walter Isaacson? Or, if we're going to have the Machiavellian theory here, maybe there wasn't anything, but he figured people would start talking. I'm sure there was something, right? I mean, I'm sure there was something. Now, whether it was something that was going to turn into a product or whether it's a big idea that everybody's working on or is concerned can't be a product, I think that's the question. And and Steve Jobs also was uh, very good at getting excited about ways that, that Apple was going to change the world. And they, they, they have done that many times, but there are also other times where it turned out to not be quite as grand as people thought. So, you know, TV... It's a tough one. I I think the best chance for Apple is if if they can create a product that is so great that people bring it into their homes so that they they end up with a huge number of these devices, whether it's a TV or a thing attached to your TV, that everybody's got one, basically, like 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 an iPhone or an iPod. Everybody's got one. They're, They're just wildly popular. That might give Apple leverage to say, hey, networks or studios or whoever, we hold a lot of cards now. We want to make changes. 
But I, I sort of feel like that's the only way that it's going to happen is that Apple's going to create a product that people desire so much that it becomes wildly popular, which then leads to Apple having that power to make change because these it, these industries aren't going to change. They're just not going to change otherwise. They're, they have too much invested in the old way of doing things, too much money still coming in for them to not milk that revenue source instead of looking toward a new way of doing business in the future, even though that's what consumers, I think, a lot of consumers are going to start wanting. We're talking of a gateway product of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, just to give Apple Apple leverage, sort of like with the the popularity of the iPod, helped Apple make the deals with the music labels for iTunes. But then we'd have to take Apple TV to another level. Now, according to published reports, the Apple TV has a 32% share of that connected TV accessory set-top box market, which is a very small market because of Apple selling very what, small. $4 million a year, even that? It's a very, very small market. It's funny. I mean, you'd think it would get bigger at some point because anybody who's got Amazon Prime or Netflix really ought to buy an Apple TV or a, or a Roku box because they can get that stuff on their TV. And, you know, people should do that. On one level, that's a really small market. On another level, that says something about how much potential future market there is. But the problem is that, you know, you've got your DVRs from your cable company and your satellite company, and they have lots of those features too. Those guys have a real home field advantage because you've got to have one of those boxes if you've got those services. And, and you know, in the tech media, the idea of people cutting the cord and no longer having cable or satellite, I know there are people who do that, but in the tech media, that is a extremely overstated trend. I think the fact is that most people, that's a fraction of a percent, if that. Most people uh, are going to have TV or you know cable or satellite because bottom line, to get the internet, you still need a wire coming into your home. At least for now. Unless, At least for now, right. I mean, you know, yeah, you could do it with you could do it with wireless like 4G. I'm not talking about, you know, going to Verizon or AT&T. The question being like a clear wire. If clear wire can ever get their financial act together, don't they want to provide a wireless alternative to traditional broadband? I don't see how that's ever going to be something that's popular. I don't think I just don't know. It's interesting, you know, years ago Sprint tried that. Sprint Broadband Direct, and it was fine on a lower scale. And it used kind of a diamond-shaped antenna on your roof. But where it failed was scaling up. As soon as you got a lot of people on the network, suddenly you couldn't upload. It would be very slow. So it was okay otherwise. And it was something that came before we had cable broadband here. So we understand that. I don't know. At this point, I don't think Apple would want to build a full-blown TV set. I reserve the right to be proven wrong because unlike digital music players which weren't doing very well, TV market is saturated. A lot more so than, of course, smartphones or anything yep. like that. It's everybody not a market bought- that hasn't been exploited. I mean, just yeah, the other everybody day... Everybody bought my- an HDTV. Yeah. Everybody huh? already bought one. Everybody bought one. My brother had an accident in his home where his old 25-year-old TV set started smoking. They had to call the fire department out when they threw out the TV. So he goes to a Sam's Club for $350. He buys a 40-inch LCD... TV, Hitachi, 1080p resolution. It's not the greatest set in the world, but for $350, it's great. Yeah. Although I could turn that around, right? I could say the only kind of TV set that you could get somebody to buy would be something like what Apple would make, right? You could say that if everybody's already got one, then what's your motivation in getting another one? Maybe the only way you do that, I mean, the TV industry has tried things like 3D, which I think is just a complete flop. But what if Apple comes out with something that really is a desired TV and it has all these things that your your TV can't do. And maybe the Apple TV is a little bit of a beachhead. It's like, well, you can attach Apple TV to your current TV, but what you really want to do is get the Apple television set because it's, you know, whatever it has that makes it amazing. You could argue that that's 
the kind of product that could sell well in, in a saturated market like that because it's different, because it's not just another TV, because everybody's gone through that. The, the buying cycle for HGTV has passed. So maybe that's what they're thinking, is, is that that's an opportunity for Apple because people have these TVs, but they don't do very much, and they're maybe frustrated. I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard thing for me to picture, too. I, I kind of can't picture how they do it. Well, of course, remember the original name for the Apple TV. It was iTV. So maybe this will be the real iTV. I think there's some serious trademark problems with that name, um, mostly in the UK where there is a TV channel called iTV. So it seems unlikely. Apple will buy the channel. You know, it's okay. They've got all the money in the world. I'm sure. Let's move on from the TV question, which may be resolved in 2012. We'll see. Maybe we'll talk about it more next time Jason joins us. To another subject near and dear to our hearts, this week Apple releases a new update for iTunes, 10.5.2, I believe. And this update supposedly, amongst other things, fixes issues with iTunes Match, but not for me. Well, obviously it wasn't those issues. (laughs) My issue is the same one I think a lot of people have had, which is you import an album, which basically matches an album that's already available from iTunes, and it doesn't match all the songs. And the most famous example is she came in through the bathroom window from the Beatles. That's not, uh, see, that has nothing to do with the iTunes version. That, that's all happening on the server. I realize that, that, that. That's why I wondered, what were they doing? You see, I realize, as you say, it has to be a server-related issue. Of course, Apple will not admit it. If you ask their technical support, say, I got this problem, would you help me? They'll come back and first tell you what matched, purchased, and uploaded means. Then say, you never bought the song. This is what I went through. You never got the song from Apple. I said, yeah, I imported it from my CD, but you have it on there. Why didn't it match it? And they finally came back and said, well, please don't write us any more about this. Yeah. So the way iTunes Match works is that Apple's got a database and every song is fingerprinted. And your, uh, your copy of iTunes looks at the tracks on your hard drive and it compares them. It, makes, it creates this little fingerprint of the files that you've got, which are, um, it's some black magic that happens there involving the actual sounds of the tracks and the links and all of that. Sends it to Apple and then Apple says, do I have that or not? And it's, it's one of these cases where whatever... Whatever Apple has on its server, either uh, the thumbprint for she came in through the bathroom window is wrong or they've got like a remastered version and there's something different about it in just the spot where the thumbprint is taken and so it doesn't match. And you see this a lot. There are a lot of tracks that don't match. Um, That all said... Uh, we'll have to say more in our next segment we'll go more into iTunes match and why it doesn't match or can't match with Jason Snell of Macworld America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade we are the GCN radio network When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. 
most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y pro.com. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Solar power. Solar power. Hand crank power. Hand crank power. Radio power. Radio power. The goods you want, the good deals you need to power up your survival are at 21stCenturyGoods.com. In our solar department, you'll find solar generator kits, solar lanterns, flashlights, radios, and solar cell phone and laptop chargers. 21stCenturyGoods.com is your hand crank headquarters for everything from generators to flashlights to emergency, weather, and shortwave radios by Grundig and Cato. Big brand names and big deals. Like this. Get a free solar flashlight with every order over $75. But hurry, offer ends soon. Go to 21stCenturyGoods.com. Spelled the number 2, the number 1, S-T-CenturyGoods.com. That's 21stCenturyGoods.com. Or call 866-999-8422. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival. Your survival. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. A couple more segments with our friend Jason Snell of Macworld speculating as to why some tunes that should match because they are theoretically available in iTunes are not being matched and you're going into, well, where they pick the digital signature may be right. sufficiently different or the database just needs to be fixed. Yeah, I, there's a huge database here and the Apple is somewhat reliant on the providers of the content for it, which is the the record labels. And the bottom line is that I, iTunes Match still works because what happens is your copy of She Came In Through the Bathroom Window gets uploaded into iCloud, basically, and it's accessible on all your devices. So if there is a match, then you have access to a higher quality, you know, 256 kbps AAC file of that track, uh, which is nice. But the primary purpose of iTunes Match is to give you access to all of your music wherever you are. And the advantage of having the matching is that you don't have to upload your entire library like you have to do with Amazon or Google. However, you know, not everything matches right now. I, I, I would imagine that over time, the match library will grow and change and be fixed because that's all happening on the back end. And I'm sure, given how Beatles-focused parts of Apple seem to be, um, I'm sure that the uh, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window issue is well known. Um, but, you know, I, I've also heard stories on the other side that people who have old, unremastered copies of albums are uh, discovering that the iTunes Match version that they're getting is remastered. So they're essentially getting a free upgrade with their iTunes Match subscription. They're not just getting a copy of what they already have. They're actually getting the brand new remastered version. Exactly, so that's kind of a, exactly. Of course, that's, that's kind what, of a bonus, right? It is so that's a, bonus, a, that's a bonus. And I have to tell you that, therefore, 80 or 85% of the Beatles albums I've imported are benefited by matching them with a better version. So you win some, you lose some, I guess. But I would imagine that will change dramatically over time. I also uh, wonder then, you see, where something clearly may not be remastered, such as, of course, The Best of Blondie. <laughs> that didn't course. match too well either. Yeah, well, you know, some stuff that's obscure matches and some of it doesn't. And it's very strange how it does it. But because it will upload everything that doesn't match, it does a pretty good job. I, I have to say, I just wrote a, a column about this on Macworld. The, uh, I was skeptical about iTunes Match. I thought it was something that I'd buy once to, in order to get some upgraded tracks and then I would never pay for it again. And now I actually can't foresee why I would not keep paying that annual fee, the $25 a year annual fee for iTunes Match because it syncs everything to all my Apple devices and all copies of iTunes, all my playlists sync. I have access to all tracks at all times. It serves as a backup for my music library because all those tracks are available in the cloud. I can be on my iPhone somewhere and not have a track I want to listen to and press play and it just starts playing. It's really kind of amazing. So I, I'm actually really becoming a, a big fan of iTunes Match. I think, I think uh, it's going to be hard. It would be like chopping off a limb in a year to turn it off because I'm just uh, going to be so used to the fact that all my music is always available to me wherever I am. They ought to make some accommodation for people like our friend Kirk McElhern, who has umpteen million songs. Yes, yes, because one of the limitations is, what, 25,000 songs? Right. So that, that is a, 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 an issue, and I'm sure that's a uh, kind of record company mandated thing. And, and that's something that the iTunes app could probably deal with, right? One of the things that iTunes, the app, needs is the ability for a user to say, don't match these, right? And... Sure, you could you could abuse that, I guess, theoretically by 
by laundering things, although I'm, you know, turning things on and off and trying to slowly cycle through 50,000 tracks. But I think most people wouldn't do that. I think there are probably some things on the back end that Apple could do to prevent that. And I just think it would be a better user experience. Is simply to say, okay, you got 50,000, it's another $25. Well, sure, right. You could pay more or you could just have an exclusion tool that says these tracks I don't want to be in the cloud. And either way or both actually would be great. Right, or let it just do it at random, you know, or keep doing it until it stops. What's <laughs> sure, the big but, deal? But I, I do that where I've got a podcast that I'm uploading or an audiobook that I'm ripping, and then I'm going to convert it into a single file, and iTunes Match starts uploading it to the cloud. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just want to have it for a second, and then I'm going to delete it, and it, iTunes right now won't let you do that. And so bad I really dog, bad like, dog. I'd like to be able to say, no, <laughs> just stay away from this. I, I, I don't want this in the cloud. Leave it here, but not yet. Bad dog. Yeah, iTunes sometimes is bad. Okay, let's move on from iTunes Match to a product that you wrote me on, so you must have one. You sent me a note a couple of weeks ago, sent from my Kindle Fire. Kindle Fire, I have, I have it right here. Yeah, they make it really hard to find where that... In fact, it's really bad. They don't show you your signature. They just stick it on the end, and it's actually very hard to find where the signature setting is in the email app in order to turn that stuff off or modify it. It's a very interesting. You know, the Kindle Fire, it's okay. It's not great. It's 200 bucks, so it's cheaper than an iPad, but it does a lot less than the iPad. I have a hard time. It's not a, it's not a terrible product. I don't have a lot of enthusiasm for it, but my problem is it's a tweener. You know, it's not the iPad, and nor is it an e-ink Kindle. And if all you want to do is read ebooks, you should buy a $70 Kindle. Uh, that, that's what you should get. Now, the $70 Kindle, you've got ads on that, right? Yeah, they're, they're, I have one. I bought one. The, the ads are fine. The ads, actually, a lot of them are good deals. They're all deals, so they're not, they're not just, uh, like just ads. They're ads where you can get a coupon or a deal or a discount on something on Amazon. It's like the back cover of a magazine. You know, they're, they're, they're not annoying. They don't animate. They're generally pretty attractive. And some of the deals are good. I just did one the other day that was $5 off your next $10 or more order at Amazon. I mean, that's five free dollars. Okay, I'll do that. So I, I really recommend that product. I think that I think the cheap e-ink, no keyboard, the Kindle 4 basically is great. And then there, at the higher end, for 500 bucks, you get the iPad, which is this really full-featured device that'll do video and, and, uh, and let you read books, but also run all these different apps, and, and you can be productive. And it's a real email kind of productivity device. Um, Kittle Fire, you know, you can do email on it, but it's not great. You can surf the web on it, but it's not great. You can watch video on it, and it's okay unless you're watching Amazon. Amazon video is okay. If you watch Netflix, it's kind of stuttery. Uh, you know, you can read books on it and it's like reading them on your iPhone or your iPad. It's a backlit color screen. So if you have no, none of these other devices, you don't have a smartphone, you don't have a Kindle, you don't have an iPad, then, then the Kindle Fire is kind of interesting. You don't want to do any email on it, but it's, it's pretty limited. In the end, I mean, I'm a little conflicted about it because there's, there's some interesting things about it, but I kind of feel like it's just not ready. It's just not that even if you're intrigued by it, you'd be better off waiting and seeing what they do next because like the power button is on the bottom. It's really easy to press it by accident. It doesn't have any hardware volume buttons. So if something's too loud, you've got to do a bunch of taps and slides to find out where the volume is. And it's just, uh, it's not all the way there. And I think there are better options for people. I think the iPad would be a better option. And I think the, the cheap e-ink Kindle would be a better option. Well, the other issue, of course, is that there are apparently some defects 
with the first release of the Kindle Fire software and complaints from customers yeah. because of erratic performance, poor performance. It doesn't quite, <laughs> you know, sometimes recognize that. that tap. You know, there's not that instant gratification you get, say, on an iPhone or an iPad. Well, that's that's true with most Android-based devices, honestly. Android is not very good at being responsive in the same way Apple Apple tried, obviously Apple prioritized the idea of this illusion that happens when you move your finger on the, the glass of one of its devices. The things on the screen move under it as if you were pushing it with your finger. And on most Android devices that I've seen, um, that doesn't happen. You move your finger and there's lag and then the, it catches up. And there's also often frame dropping where it stutters as it catches up with you instead of sliding very smoothly. And Kindle Fire, you know, it's a $200 product. There's a reason it's $200 and not $500 like the iPad. It doesn't have that kind of smooth slickness about it. It, it is compromised in that way. And I don't think any software update is really going to turn it into turn it into an iPad. It, I, I think a lot of uh, people are hoping that uh, some promised software update is going to magically transform the Kindle Fire. And I, I've heard that too many times from too many companies. I think the product is what it is. Maybe they'll fix some of the bugs, like... <laughs> for example, if you're a parent and you want to give one of these to a, your kids. Yeah, we should go into that in the next segment yeah. because this is fascinating, folks. Disaster. We have Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family peace of mind. That's why I choose wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff, and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at wisefoodstorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree free shipping and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS, call 855-FOODWISE, that's 855-366-3947, or visit wisefoodstorage.com, that's wise, W-I-S-E, foodstorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price, and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season. 
What nutrition are you missing that's leading to the four major diseases? Cancer, arthritis, heart disease, and Parkinson's. There are at least 80,000 medical studies that show a lack of the protein glutathione to be linked to cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. In all, at least 68 diseases. What is the number one food by which your body is most empowered to increase its glutathione production? It is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is truly the first undamaged whey protein. All other whey protein powders are damaged by heat, chemicals, and filtration. One World Whey is the most life-giving whey protein powder ever produced. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does Islam fit in Bible prophecy? Is the new world order world government? These and other crucial end-time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time, from End Time Ministries. Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-363-8463 or endtime.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. With Jason Stell of Macworld Magazine, we're going to focus right now on a curious problem with the Kindle Fire. Uh. And it all goes out to the singular phrase, parental controls. There are none, are there? There aren't any. And, you know, Amazon has this patent on something called one-click, which basically means you, you, you click or touch and you bought it. And the Kindle Fire, like all of Amazon's hardware products, it's really a device designed to get you to buy stuff from Amazon. That's why it exists. The problem is that if you give one of these to your kid, unlike the iPad or the iPhone where, or an iPod Touch, where Apple is going to ask you for your password whenever you want to spend money, Kindle is made to just be a buying machine. And so you could give this to a kid and they could buy hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. They could buy apps and in-app purchases and books and videos and all this stuff. And And one day your parents wake up and suddenly the credit card bill is now $7,300. You're overextended. You're paying over limit fees. You're in trouble. Well, Amazon's very good about sending you bills when you buy things. So they would get an email within 24 hours that said, thank you for your purchase of $800 worth of stuff on Amazon. And you'd go, what? And then then the kid would be in trouble. That's the kind of thing that could be fixed with a software update, right? It, where it's convenient for some people, but really inconvenient for others. Like, uh, you know, the idea of, of this being a, ch- a cheap, low-cost tablet 
that you get for your kids. That said, it's in Amazon's best interest. I think the general consensus is Amazon is making these things and selling them at a loss or at least break even. And the reason they're doing it is they want to make money on what they sell on them. And the harder it is to buy things, the less you're going to buy is the theory. So I, I don't know how motivated Amazon is to make it easy for people to turn off one-click purchase so that kids can use these devices because they want people to use them to buy stuff. That's why they exist. And they don't care if the parents are overextended and complain, well, I didn't approve my son doing this. Can't you have some kind of purchase lock? I think Amazon would probably, I mean, they, they, they won't do this, but the Apple-like response would be, this is a device that's meant to make it easy to buy stuff. If you don't want it to be easy to buy stuff, don't buy this device. But whether Amazon will do that, I don't know. But they've got to be tempted. Or what they'll probably do is make it hard to do it. That that you'll have to go through a bunch of settings and go to your Amazon account and log in and press a bunch of buttons and click on things. And and then eventually you'll get to the point where it's turned off. But I I bet you they won't make it easy. And I ran an article just the other day in connection with one of the columns I was writing about the original one-click patent. Of course, Apple licensed that patent back in 2000. Apple didn't have a lot of money then. Maybe today, if they were confronted with that situation, we want to use this. Let's see if this patent is enforceable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think they're probably not spending a lot of money on the patent, and other people have had to do things to get around it. I think Apple's getting uh, getting good use out of that patent on the Apple Online Store, and who knows? I I, I think that's probably one of those things that Apple's perfectly happy to to just get out of the way and give them some money and and move on. Yeah, but of course, it's a totally different thing with regard to all these patent lawsuits against people using Android products. And I read the other day that, is it Nokia or IBM? A couple of companies there bought some kind of vague touch-based technology patents from Apple, licensed them, whatever. And supposedly Apple was going to license a couple of things, a couple of token things, I guess, to Samsung. And Samsung said, no. The patents, I hate the patent stuff. I hate it. I wish that these companies could invent their own stuff, stop suing each other. Uh, The problem is, is that, you know, a world without patents is potentially a world where, you know, nobody is able to be uh, successful for having invented something because it gets ripped off immediately. But it seems like stuff gets ripped off immediately now. So I don't know. I I don't know. But I'm I'm so tired of those stories because it's just endless courtrooms with these games of brinksmanship. It's really inside baseball. I mean, as somebody who... I don't cover technology because I'm fascinated by business. It's just like when people ask me, you know, about Apple stock. It's like, I don't own Apple stock. I'm not allowed to own Apple stock. I kind of don't care about Apple stock. I care about the products. I care about, you know, regular people and how they use the products. And the patents are just like that. It's just like it's lawyers in courtrooms all over the world. And it's like a nuclear arms race where they're all trying to have these deterrents against other companies. And, you know, I never like to see any company barred from selling their product in a in a market that's, you know, and Apple's done that and been on both ends of it. I don't know. It's my least favorite thing about the technology industry, I have to say, is patents. So you only hope that whatever they do, let them do it as long as it doesn't impact on your ability to buy the products you want and use them the way you want. I'll put it this way. Patents should exist so that they drive innovation, that they encourage innovation. And it seems to me that they're not doing that right now, that there's innovation going on, but what's really happening is people are afraid to innovate because they're afraid to be sued. And what patents really become is something that's all about lawyers and brinksmanship and who's got the deepest pockets. And that's not what patents should be for. Patents should exist to encourage companies and individuals to innovate because innovation is what helps the economy and it's what helps all of us as customers, as consumers, because we get to buy 
better, newer, cooler products. And, you know, I'm afraid that what's happening with patents right now is that great things are being created and not brought to market for fear of being sued with patents. And that goes to not just hardware, but like apps and stuff like that, too, because we've seen a lot of app developers sued for patent patent issues. So I, I think that's why the patent system is broken right now, is that it's not doing what its fundamental job is, which is to encourage innovation and allow innovators to be rewarded. And I have to also wonder about this. That is, if I'm at Samsung, I have a huge conglomerate company with many parts making all sorts of products, especially, of course, doing billions of dollars of business with Apple over components. And now they're building smartphones, they're building tablets. Don't their lawyers examine existing patents to make sure they don't get on the bad side of Apple? I think they try, but first off, they have this back and forth of, well, we think it's defensible, which doesn't mean they won't sue but they think it's defensible. And then I'm not sure they always know. I, I think sometimes you see these cases where they realize you get this, you get this real sense that the lawyers looked at it later and went, uh-oh. <laughs> you know? But I do think that sometimes it's as simple as their lawyers say, yeah, sure, they've got a case. They've always got a case, but we think this is defensible. And then there's a lawsuit and they go into it thinking we can, you know, we can fight it. It doesn't mean there won't be one. It's just they think they can win it in the end. I don't know. It's terrible. <laughs> as far as the lawyers are concerned, they figure, look, win or lose, we get paid. Well, definitely. That's definitely part of it. Looking over, and this is kind of the final question, fast question, since Steve Jobs passed on, since Tim Cook took over as CEO, see much change at Apple yet? No, no. I mean, Steve Jobs hadn't been involved day-to-day in Apple in a while. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's impossible to say. I don't think so. I, I think that this is... We've been seeing this Apple more or less for a year plus now because Steve Jobs was not that that deeply involved and, and by all accounts was involved in some very specific future products and a little less involved in some other stuff that was going on. So it's going to be a transition that happens over time. Lots of people are going to point to the, the next product release and say, aha, this would have been different if Steve had been here. And the one after that, they'll say the same thing. And we're really not going to be able to tell for a few years if there's been much of a difference um, or if Apple has kind of internalized the lessons that uh, Steve Jobs taught it. It may also be true here that what we see now, as you say, for the past year or two with Steve Jobs knowing his time was short, most of what Apple has done has been under the control of Tim Cook. I know they had a few corporate changes in terms of positions and all that stuff, but a lot of that may have simply been in the works and simply made public decisions that were already in place, but they didn't want to announce them and have it look like Tim Cook is trying to upstage Steve. Right. Yeah, I think that's it. I I think that a lot of this stuff's been happening below the waterline for a long time. And Steve Jobs' role was being redefined over the uh, over uh, over the last few years, probably. And Tim Cook, you know, he's been the guy running the the day to day for a while now. So in in some ways, this really isn't uh, that different. Certainly, it's different than it was five years ago, but I think there's a, a continuum there. I don't think it was running the same way from five years ago until the day Steve resigned, and then it started running differently. I, I think that's absolutely not the case. It's really been a change that's happened over the last you know, several years, maybe five, three, five years, something like that. It's a gradual change. Yeah. It's a kind of change that probably they decided to make several years ago. They didn't just decide okay, Tim Cook, you're going to be the CEO tomorrow. It is, if everything goes well, you're going to be taking more and more of the duties of CEO, and eventually it's going to be your job. Yeah, 
probably if everything goes poorly <laughs> more than well i think it was sort of a you know steve as steve falters you're going to need to pick up the slack but i think that was part of his relationship with steve jobs anyway i i think this succession plan has been in place for a long time but it wasn't just when steve resigns it was as steve becomes increasingly unable to be here everybody else in these different places is going to pick up the slack and they did and then there there came the day where steve couldn't be involved at all and then there came the day where steve passed away and it's all part of a continuum i think with apple it's it's not a no switch circle of life where do we get more information about jason snell uh, Macworld.com for all the Apple stuff. And uh, please give a try uh, at listening to my podcast, which is at theincomparable.com. We will. Jason Snell, have a happy holiday. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. You too. Thanks a lot, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and the Loop at LoopInsight.com is here to tell us all, tell us things we didn't want to hear, we didn't know about, but we should know about those things. And one of them is interesting here. Of course, every year, Time Magazine has a Person of the Year. Now, long, long ago, in a more sexist society, it used to be called Man of the Year, right? That's right. Okay. So it's now the Person of the Year, and when we get in touch with E.T., and E.T. becomes integrated into our society, it will be the Thing of the Year. Yes, the Being of the Year. Right. Being is okay, yeah. I don't want to insult E.T., you know. Right. Okay? Because, you know, E.T. has got all these rays, guns, and they go, and everything like that. We don't want that to happen. So we have to be really careful. So Steve Jobs was overlooked. And Occupy, which I guess represents collectively the so-called Occupy Wall Street movement, got the nod over Steve Jobs. Was that fair? Well, no. Occupy did not. The protester did. And more specifically, they're talking about um, the the so-called Arab Spring, you know, the rise of of, uh, popular protests. Uh, in the Middle East, which have led to the downfall of people like Muammar Gaddafi and uh, uh, and um, and uh, Hosni Mubarak, and so on. So, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people feel that um, identifying a 
um, a group. Uh, you know, in this particular case, Time Magazine um, took the the approach of of making the protester just the generic random protester, uh, the person of the year. Um, was a bit of a cop-out, and I have to agree. As to whether or not Steve Jobs deserved it posthumously, I personally don't think so. Because, you know, Steve died this year, and, you know, that that obviously, you know, had a a profound impact on many of us who, um, you know, find Apple central to our lives. But this wasn't really a breakout year for Apple in any sense of the, the, the word. So, um, I'm, I'm not sure that, that Steve should have been honored by time simply for having died this year. Well, maybe you would honor him perhaps as a person of the decade or a person of an era. Well, he was, in fact, honored in the person of the year issue. A very nice um, sort of uh, 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 eulogy was written by John Lasseter. Um, of Pixar and Disney, who worked with Steve for many years. Um, so Steve was certainly recognized um, within the context of the man of the or the person of the year issue. Um, he just wasn't identified as the person of the year. And I think the other question to raise here is: as much as we like our Apple products, how much overall have they really changed our lives? Maybe they've made things simpler. They've made personal computing simpler. They've made handling digital music simpler. They've made using a smartphone simpler, and the iPad is kind of a new thing. But overall, is that sufficient? Um, yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly my point. You know, I just, I don't think that, that, uh, that overall this was as, as an impactful a year for Apple um, or, as an impor- or as important a year for Steve Jobs um, in terms of his professional accomplishments, to merit being Time's ma- uh, Person of the Year, even though unfortunately, the, you know, Steve passed away this year, um, and all that that entails. So, you know, your mileage may vary. I don't expect everybody will agree with me, but that's my rationale. No, it sounds like a pretty sensible rationale. I mean, we can't give someone a title or a benefit just because they happen to pass on through no fault of their own. He happened to get a very serious disease that very few people survive as long as he did. You know, he was living on borrowed time from day one, and I speak as someone whose mother-in-law died of pancreatic cancer weeks after it was discovered and confirmed. So knowing that, even though the kind he had maybe was not as virulent or as dangerous, even then the prognosis was five years. And he lived, what, over seven yeah, indeed, indeed, and obviously he had invasive surgery and uh, went through uh, different forms of treatment to try to control it. Um, but ultimately, acclaimed him, and he certainly had a better run at it than uh, than many other people uh, who suffer from from the same condition have had. So uh, I'm sure that that his family is very grateful for the time that they had with him. Okay, from Steve Jobs, we move to another company. We'll go back to Apple later, and that is the strange case of HP. Now, HP, understand something here. Apple was very much inspired by Hewlett and Packard, the founders of HP, of Hewlett Packard. And the kind of company and culture very much went into influencing the early structure of Apple. But we know where Apple is today. And HP is lost. 
Yeah, indeed. Um, and the reason why it came to our um, uh, attention on loopinsight.com this week um, is because uh, HP has partnered with a company called Moving Brands um, to uh, sort of rebrand the company. And, and part of that um, – uh, Excuse me? Is this like some corporate fixer-upper type thing? It really kind of is because part of it involves a logo that just looks bizarre. Um, you know, HP's logo is, is kind of iconic and has been through several iterations over the year. Um, and this latest version is just sort of an abstract series of diagonal slashes that, uh, if you cross your eyes a bit, looks like HP, but um, really kind of lacks any kind of, of meaning or um, significance. It just seems kind of unfortunate. Is this like the duh factor? I mean, you look at the Apple logo. And yes, right now it's a shaded gray kind of thing instead of the rainbow effect. But the logo from 1976 through 2001, it's the same logo. It's just the color scheme. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, it's funny because one uh, of our readers uh, commented to me yesterday that the old logo looked like a case study in um, copying Apple's um, uh, iTunes and App Store logos for HP's logo. And this, this looks very different. This is, like I said, a series of diagonal slashes, that four diagonal slashes that um, uh, comprise the HP logo. There are two long slashes, the, um, the, the uh, left side of the H and the left side of the P, and then two short slashes, slashes, which make up the other parts of the H and the P. It's just kind of a, it's a bizarre-looking um, logo to me, and it doesn't really say HP or doesn't evoke um, a particularly strong uh, emotional reaction in its viewer. The interesting thing here is that um, the story that, that we wrote about this links to a case study on Moving Brands' website, which they have since taken down. Uh, with, I with wonder why. Yeah, well, they, they say, uh, per the request of HP, in order to clarify the distinctions between the aspects of the work that we were setting a creative vision for the brand, but were not implemented in the market, and the aspects which reflected the actual in-market applications of the identity and the design system. That is a whole lot of gibberish, I, you know. But the bottom line is, I think the company that HP hired kind of jumped the gun here, and maybe HP is having second thoughts, which would I be good. I also have to think that, having to hire an outside company to tell you what your direction should be, what your logo should be, is the height of stupidity. Well, you no, mean not that there's necessarily. There's nobody HP mean, who knows what the company should be? Hey, listen, you know, the, the, the next design, the, the computer company that Steve uh, Jobs founded after he left Apple, was not designed uh, by an employee in-house. You know, it was designed by, by a very well-known um, uh uh, industrial designer, you know, so uh, named Paul Rand. So uh, you know, it, it it's not um, uh, odd for a company to look outside of itself um, for rebranding or um, a, a redesign of an existing brand. But or, in that case, it's just the logo. You're just doing artwork. You're hiring a graphic designer to say, okay, let's change the look and feel. It's like you hire an outside company for the purpose of designing an advertising campaign. You want somebody to come up with ideas, like an outside company came out with the idea for Apple of Think Different, which, by the way, the story goes that Steve Jobs said no, until he finally said yes, but there you go. We have 
<laughs> Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on the loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, everybody. Jason Lewis here. Once again, for my friends at Midas Resources, these are hard times for investors. You don't know which way to go. Is the market going to recover? Is the Washington spending machine going to continue? And that means a lot of debt and maybe printing money to cover the debt. They call it monetizing the debt, but that's a fancy way of saying inflation. And a lot of people are worried about that. So you need the ultimate inflation hedge, and that's gold. Now, let me be clear about this. Commodities fluctuate in price. They can go up and down. Very volatile. There's no guarantee. But if you want the ultimate inflation hedge, you need to talk to my friends at Midas Resources. The number, 1-800-686-2237. If you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to have it in your possession, call Midas today at 1-800-686-2237. It's Midas Resources, 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason sent you. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. With Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on the loop at loopinsight.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. We're talking about corporate identity, but with HP, am I right in saying that when you have an outside firm, maybe the logo, the design, graphic arts, maybe the ad campaign, but the fundamentals of the company ought to be the province of the people who run that company. Well, you know, Gina, like I said, it's it's not uncommon for for corporate for for corporations, especially big ones, to go outside of themselves um, to to hire designers. But you know, the the HP thing just kind of has me scratching my head, and apparently has a lot of other people scratching our heads as well because. You know, HP's logo design is, is is kind of iconic. You know, perhaps not as as easily publicly identifiable as as Apple's or Nike's or McDonald's or other well known corporate brands. But uh, within the computer industry, you know, certainly, uh, you know, from the time that HP has had calculators, you know, people know what the HP logo is supposed to look like and, and recognize it. So it's it's a little disconcerting to see the company at a time by any measure where HP is really sort of at a crisis point in terms of corporate identity, in terms of what it's going to do. You know, WebOS has been pretty much a failure for it. The, the company uh, has talked about moving out of the personal computer space and then it's changed its, its direction. You know, it seems to be very intent on reassessing what exactly it's doing. It seems to be putting the cart before the horse, if you will, to work on the logo before you've got the fundamentals of the business business figured out. You know, Apple, for example, Apple went through a major metamorphosis when Steve came back in 1997. But, you know, the, the, the rainbow-colored Apple logo stuck around for a little while after, after Steve came back. Steve got the company on the right foot, you know, got a, making decent products and making, uh, and, and making a bit of money before the, the Apple logo evolved from the rainbow-colored logo that, that many of us old-timers remember so fondly to the... Um, uh, the monochrome logo that uh, has become uh, de rigueur today. Uh, you know, so it, it, it just seems to be putting the cart before the horse for HP to be doing this at this time. They have to figure out what they want to do. And, of course, the question we have is whether Meg Whitman, who was once CEO of eBay at the time when they acquired PayPal and Skype, if she is the person to do it. And that might be a big question right there, whether she is the person who has the capability to handle products. She did work for Hasbro, though, and Procter & Gamble, so maybe she does have some product awareness. Well, certainly, and I mean, you know, eBay as well. You know, eBay has a very well-known corporate identity. So, sure, you know, but maybe- eBay is primarily an online sales firm. The product is the structure, the infrastructure to allow you to sell things, whereas HP is a product company. They're selling computers, they're selling printers, 
Yes, they do have services, but they're primarily known for the hardware. That's true. That's true. And, you know, HP has tried to diversify, I think, a little bit uh, with services, but the, the company is, is unquestionably primarily and will remain primarily a product company. Um, that, that, that is not going to change. That being said, however, the question is here, what should HP be doing? And, of course, her first message, Meg Whitman, was kind of stay the course. Now the course has somewhat changed. Were they going to get rid of their PC division? Evidently, they will keep it. I guess they have to figure a way to make it profitable and still sell $300 PCs. And then the question of the web OS. And I gather nobody wanted to buy the web OS which they acquired when they bought Palm for $1.2 billion, so they made it open source. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing to do. This was, uh, this was announced this, this past month, earlier this month, that WebOS was going to be open source. Now, uh, people may remember that uh, HP tried to make a big splash with WebOS by releasing a product called the Touchpad, which was uh, ostensibly supposed to be an iPad uh, competitor. And the, the Touchpad didn't even make a ripple in the market. Um, it wasn't until they started to have a, files, a fire sale on touchpads and sell them for far below what it was costing them to make that uh, they managed to get anybody interested in buying these things at all. So the question became actively, what is HP going to do with WebOS? And they finally revealed it back uh, a little bit earlier this month uh, when they announced that WebOS was going to be going open source, which is an interesting thing to do. I mean, clearly they couldn't sell it uh, for, for what it would have made uh, sense for them to uh, to get for it. So, you know, casting it as, as open source is an interesting way to try to evolve it without orphaning it completely. Well, of course, it probably costs them very little to do that. They can always hope other developers will consider it. But you also have to look at the fact that the Google Android operating system is open source, although it seems to be open source with a lot of terms and conditions. So is the web OS now becoming or could become a suitable alternative to Android? I mean, it doesn't seem to have the patent structure that causes problems for Android. It doesn't have that kind of landmine. So maybe it would be safer for some handset makers to go web OS. It's entirely possible. I don't really see WebOS as, as or the, the Android WebOS overlap. I mean, that, that's kind of a, a, a tech geek sort of uh, toy thing that I think, you know, like people who have Android uh, smartphones that maybe can't run the 4.0 version, also known as Ice Cream Sandwich, um, you know, who are feeling Why can't a little- they call it Ben and Jerry's? I mean, let's really do the right thing here. Yeah, indeed, or chubby hubby or something. Um, you know, they they there are a growing number of Android um, users who feel like Google has kind of cast them by uh, the side of the road in favor of evolving the operating system uh, for new uh, the Android operating system for new handsets. Um, so it's it's possible that WebOS may cross over to to some of that, but. Um, I think that, that more than anything, you know, this was a way of getting WebOS back into the headlines at a time when um, it was really kind of dying down. Because simply by making WebOS open source, that doesn't mean that, um, uh, that, that, that HP has uh, let the software go. You know, it, it, it still owns the software. It still can sort of direct... Uh, the development of of, of the kernel um, and and so on, uh, but you know I think that they're they're counting on on being able to crowdsource um, the the development 
uh, or the evolution of WebOS a little bit to um, developers who may now want to have a stake in WebOS where they, they perhaps did not before. Well, the thing that bothers me about WebOS is its structure in terms of adding apps. It's using web apps, which kind of reminds me of what Apple tried to do with the first iteration of the iOS. Let's do web apps, and the developers said, no. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when Steve Jobs said, you know, web apps are every bit as good as native apps, and and this is the way that the iPhone is going to work, and everybody's got to get on board here, and that message did not go over very well with the de- with the development community. You know, it's um, interesting here. They say Apple doesn't listen. Apple is monolithic. I'll tell you something. If developers tell Apple, no, we're not going to do that, Apple will listen. Certainly an example of that was when they tried to cause developers or make developers completely change their apps for Mac OS X, and therefore they developed Aqua and Carbon as obviously a way to compromise. Apple has to compromise sometimes. We have Peter Cohen. He compromises sometimes. I don't know when. I don't know (laughs) how, but I understand he does it on a yearly basis. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Do you know that Where To is a worldwide location finder for the iPhone? It allows you to easily find the closest and best rated restaurants, shops, and services with an easy, intuitive interface. And my personal favorite, an augmented reality view to see the results in 3D. You can find it at the App Store or from this direct link, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O. Check it out. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. 
Ready for cold and flu season? Now's the time to get ready and save during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Stock up on powerful, natural flu fighters like olive leaf extract, elderberry power, and grapefruit seed liquid. Don't forget your vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs on sale for only $9. And remember, HerbalHealer.com offers eFoods Global Products, delicious, premium, storable foods that contain no MSG, no trans fats, no GMO, and have a 25-year shelf life. Click the eFoods link on HerbalHealer.com and try eFoods storable meals for free. Bookmark HerbalHealer.com, then experience live chat, correspondence courses, and sign up for our free newsletter. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Smokers, are you still smoking traditional cigarettes? Are you still smelling up your clothes and car interior, staining your teeth, and getting ashes everywhere? Why? When you could be smoking or vaping with e-cigarettes by LaSig. With LaSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replacement cartridges, you'll get all the satisfaction of smoking, but no smoking hazards. Choose from a wide variety of our new American-made Vapriate e-liquid flavors at LaSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com, or call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Warning, e-cigs may contain nicotine, an addictive substance known to the state of California to cause birth defects or cancer. Please be aware of the risks associated with e-cigs prior to use. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We were talking about compromise on the Tech Night Owl Live. I was ragging on my friend Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show on the Loop at loopinsight.com. But frankly speaking, when people ask, Gene, do you compromise? I say, eh, okay. Anyway. Of course we compromise. We're married. Well, that's one kind of world I mean, not to each other, but, you know. Our, well, our yeah, you know, you're a married man. You have a family that you have to work with, and you can't just say it's my way or the highway because that kind of screws up families. There has to be a little give and take, especially between spouses. Absolutely. So, yeah, HP, good luck with WebOS and your logo redesign. Like I said, the only thing that may make it interesting is as an alternative to Android, because Android has the baggage of potential patent lawsuits. Maybe some companies will say, maybe we'll try WebOS. But until there's proof of a viable app structure, you kind of wonder if that's going to make sense. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, And uh, that's the... The critical problem that WebOS has had is that it's got just a, a paltry number of applications, native applications, and a very small development base compared to uh, Android or iOS. Uh, Apple and Google both got out uh, in front of mobile um, developers long before HP was able to put a program together uh, for WebOS and really captured, I think, the lion's share of uh, interest from uh, from developers compared to uh, um, compared to HP with WebOS. So, you know, it is what it is. But speaking of uh, of iOS development, though, you know what else has happened this past week that I think is really interesting, Gene? 
Microsoft has started making um, apps for iOS. That's true. It's interesting about Microsoft. Also, Microsoft made open source or made it work with open source capabilities, the chat feature for MSN. Yes, indeed. Um, Specifically, Microsoft is now offering three different apps uh, in the App Store, one is is uh, two of them are, are are squarely for gamers. One is a an application that dovetails with Xbox Live, uh, which is the um, online uh, store and and communications vehicle for um, Xbox 360 users. If you've got an Xbox Live account, you can download this app from the from the uh, from the App Store, and uh, you can um, connect with friends and. Uh, and do some other stuff with it as well. Uh, the other thing that they've done is they've actually released an iOS version of um, Connectimals, which is um, one of the uh, uh, the games that debuted with their Connect interface, which lets you just wave at your TV screen and have things happen on screen. Um, they've 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 redone the game for iOS. It's not exactly the same experience that you get on your Xbox 360, uh, but there are you know baby animals that you get to play with. And if you've got Connectimals on your iPhone, and you also own it for Xbox 360, uh, you can get um, you can unlock new baby animals um, in the Xbox 360 uh, version. So it's a nice little bonus for them as well. And then the, the interesting thing to me is that Microsoft is trying harder to work with others play nicely with others. Now, I think MSN was one of the last major chat protocols that can't be supported like with iChat or even AIM or AIM. So now it looks like, hey, Microsoft is basically making it possible for everybody to communicate with some kind of instant messaging program, unless, of course, it's like Apple's iMessage or something. Yes, indeed. I am not convinced that um, that Microsoft's um, notification protocol is 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 going to um, gain widespread support in the open source community. But um, you know, it's good that it's there. Um, and yeah, especially for corporate environments where MSN uh, uh, Messenger is, is being used as an instant message protocol, it's great uh, because it means that more uh, companies will be able to uh, or more developers will be able to support uh, the technology. Of course, the next thing is maybe Microsoft will make a few changes to Office 2011 to make it more compatible with Lion, but also to fix that miserable Outlook 2011 What's your feeling about Outlook 2011? I find it near unusable. I don't use it at all. I suffer through um, Apple's uh, mail application instead and, you know, deal with it as I have to. Well, in that case there, I don't know. I think Apple is doing pretty good with their email app. I think it's come to a point where it has become superior to almost any alternative. I mean, what do you want in an email app that, they're not giving you. So yeah, that's you know that's that's MSN in a nutshell. The other app that they've got available for iOS right now, and this is what really interested me, is um, SkyDrive. Uh, SkyDrive for iOS. SkyDrive is uh, Microsoft's cloud service. Um, and if you've got a uh, an MSN account, if you've got an Xbox Live account, a Windows Live account, um, Hotmail uh, email address, you've got everything that you need to access it. 
uh, you get 25 gigs for free, which is pretty generous compared to iCloud and some of the other cloud services. Um, you can use it to share uh, files. You can use it to upload uh, photos um, from your iPhone directly to your SkyDrive account. You can also use it to share files with other SkyDrive users. Um, so, again, if, if your business um, or if you personally um, are um, exchanging uh, uh, files over SkyDrive or using SkyDrive as a, as a um, uh, a replacement, let's say, for Google Docs or uh, or iCloud or whatever. Um, this is a free app that you can download from the App Store. It's just really surprising. Uh, they've come out of nowhere, basically, just in the last week, um, to offer these apps for um, uh, for iOS customers. It's nice to see uh, Microsoft being a a good um, uh, um, uh, development supporter of the App Store. It is very interesting how Microsoft is doing that. I guess because they look at the Mac platform this way, it's a good profit source. They want to sell as many copies as Office and other apps as they can. The support costs are far less than on the Windows platform, and everyone is skeptical about where they're going with the Windows platform, specifically Windows 8. Yeah, and I also think it gives them an interesting way to try to win the hearts and minds of uh, mobile device users as well. One of the interesting things about um, uh, the Xbox Live app in particular is that the the interface elements um, are very similar to the Metro interface that Windows Phone 7 uses. So if you don't have any experience using a Windows Phone 7 device, and let's face it, most people don't, this will give you a little bit of a taste for that flavor. So when you do see Windows Phone 7 devices, and they're coming slowly, um, you won't Very be... Very slowly. Yes, you won't be as um, uh, as jarred by the experience, perhaps, as you might be otherwise. Well, I'll tell you this. The only thing I see about the Windows Phone experience is they took the Zune experience and they migrated it. And I kind of wonder about something here. I think if something fails... You don't just try to do the same thing. Isn't that the definition of insanity? You keep doing the same thing, thinking the results will be different. So we have the Zoom interface, which is these tiles, okay? With the light text against the darker background, making the text sometimes unreadable. And what does Microsoft do? Well, the Zoom fails, so they put it in Windows Phone 7. And Windows Phone 7 doesn't do well, nor does Windows Phone 7.5. So what do they do next? Let's put it in Windows 8 as an overlay. Yep. So that's insanity. Pretty much, yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, they've got an idea and they, they, they want to stick to it. So uh, like being we have, we, the dead horse. Well, we've got to give them some credit for consistency. These days, it's an amazing thing. Right, let's just beat the dead horse, and if that doesn't work, we'll continue to beat the dead horse, and then maybe someday it will work, because, as we said, we're not that smart. They also had some musical chairs this week, where the president of the Windows Phone division is given some kind of incomprehensible position, and the lead programmer takes his position. So that certainly accomplishes a lot, doesn't it? The man who accomplishes a lot. Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. Have you ever wanted to give a gift that expresses faith and liberty, those powerful beliefs that shaped our nation at its founding? If so, pay close attention, because this may be the most important holiday message you'll hear this year. Beautiful Liberty Blankets are now available. The Liberty Blanket is made right here in the USA out of all-natural cotton. It's ultra-soft, ultra-warm, and designed to remind your friends and loved ones of the enduring values that won the battle for freedom in early America. The center of the Liberty Blanket has the words, Appeal to God, a phrase that Washington and the founders used often as they announced to the 
the world that their rights and liberties came from a sovereign creator. And in each corner of the liberty blanket details one of the pillars of American freedom. Education, church, civil government, and justice. Regularly $59.95, now just $39.95. It's the perfect Christmas gift that helps your friends and family remember our nation's most precious legacy. To order your liberty blanket, go to libertyblanket.com. That's libertyblanket.com. Or call 800-209-1258. That's 800-209-1258. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. As we segue to our next segment with Peter Cohen of The Loop at loopinsight.com and the Angry Mac Bastards radio show, we kind of wondered here, with regard to Microsoft playing this executive musical chairs routine they do every so often, so they've got a new routine here, and they do something incomprehensible with the current president of the Windows Phone division. You have to think, the guy's so good, why do you put him into a place where he can do no trouble? Well, I, you know, the, we're talking about Andy Lees here, and he was removed from running uh, the, the part of Microsoft that is focused on, on Windows Phone uh, 7. Um, he was demoted. Uh, you know, plainly speaking, he was... Well, more specifically, Andy Lees um, has been re- removed from that top position for the Windows Phone 7 group because um, uh, uh, apparently Microsoft didn't like the cut of his jib. Um, this is according to a report over at TheVerge.com, uh, which is a, a, a fairly new uh, uh, tech news site run by uh, Joshua Topolsky, who used to head up um, Engadget's efforts. And um, uh, according to The Verge, uh, Microsoft sort of unceremoniously dumped Lee's um, uh, because um, they didn't like what he was saying about uh, about the technology, about Windows 8 and Windows Phone 7. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that what means. What was he term. saying that so take them off? Um. I'm a little unclear on what it was in particular um, that, uh, that, that, that upset them so much, but Lee's apparently has something of a history uh, with um, upsetting uh, some of the uh, companies that Microsoft works with, some of the, uh, the, uh, the hardware partners uh, that, that they've got. Um, and... Uh, uh, apparently, um, you know, Microsoft values those relationships a lot more than they value these contributions. Loose lips, sinking ships, or executives? Well, I think loose cannon might be the better um, analogy here. Uh, you know, when you've got a top executive who is um, disrupting uh, the relationships that you've got with um, ostensibly uh, valuable uh, manufacturing partners, sometimes the best solution is to bench them uh, or get rid of them altogether. You think here that if somebody is that much of a screw-up, you don't just bench the person, which is in effect what they're doing, you fire them. Yeah, no, this is true. And it's pretty rare, I guess, within Microsoft's corporate hierarchy to see something like this happen. Um, so there, there, 
there's got to be a reason why Microsoft thinks that Lee's is, is valuable enough to keep around. But it's kind of surprising that Lee's would uh, uh, w- would even you know agree to to um, to, to something like that. It may um, also be if they fire him, they've got this poison pill provision where it's just cheaper to keep him there, shut him up, and pay him a check for a few years and then quietly move him away than to let him go. Now, if he does have that loose lips problem, maybe it's also better because this way they can keep him silenced. You know, Bomber says, look, here's the deal. We'll give you a job. You'll get a salary. You'll take a paycheck. But you shut your mouth. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, the the other the other possibility is that um, you know he's been given this sort of vaguely defined role within the Windows uh, uh, ecosystem right now to uh, do something. Uh, no one really is is clear on what exactly he's supposed to do, but that eventually um, the the position or the functionality that he's got within Microsoft. Uh, will eventually go away, and then his position will be eliminated. So, and we can't even um, define the name of the position because I read the letter that Steve Ballmer sent to Microsoft employees. It makes no sense whatever. In contrast, let's do a contrast here because we see that Microsoft is very dysfunctional. There's a story here that says among the 50 best places to work, I guess in the U.S., from a job site called Glassdoor, Apple is number 10. Yeah, that's a that's a nice feather in Apple's cap, and Apple does have a very good reputation for uh, taking care of its employees. So um, yeah, that's wonderful. Now, a friend of ours, Dream Host, big web host in Orange County, California, they're number ten, so they're proud. Okay, so here's the story: Apple gets a rating of three point nine out of five, which is pretty good. Tim Cook gets a ninety six percent approval rate, and you say, what about Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs got ninety seven when he was evaluated. So Tim Cook, the people seem to like him. Yeah, indeed. You know, Tim's got, uh, Tim, obviously, I mean, you know, the, the important thing to remember also is that Tim isn't new to Apple. You know, Tim has been around um, Apple for quite a long time. He understands Steve Jobs' management philosophy. He understands, and, you know, he himself has crafted a lot of the way that, that Apple works operationally. So, um, you know, I think that uh, the, the, that 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 continuity of leadership was very important after uh, uh, after Steve uh, uh, retired from an active role at Apple um, this past year. Um, so it's it's great to see that that uh, that he's as, as well liked as he is. Yes, and also I guess the other issue being that he is not considered as temperamental. On the other hand, he will quietly tell you off if he has to. Yes, yes, indeed. He's got that quiet mannerism that isn't quite as explosive or mercurial, I guess one might say, as as uh, Steve was um, uh, was was reputedly um, uh, famous for doing. On the other hand, it has the same effect in the end, because in the it, end, if you're demoted, if you're fired, if you're forced to go to Asia to fix a problem with suppliers, well, if you don't do it, goodbye. Well, the one thing I've heard about uh, Tim over and over again is that um, he's he is sharp as a tack, and that you don't go to a meeting um, uh, to, to Tim without being uh, prepared for any contingency. And um, if you're going to take a position that's contrary to what Tim thinks, 
you better have your ducks in a row because he will slice you to ribbons um, intellectually, not, you know, he won't yell at you or, or, or be mean to you in the way that Steve Jobs was, uh, was supposed to have done, but he will uh, um, definitely um, uh, uh, cut apart your, your ideas um, if they're not good. So, um, you know, so he the, won't say you're a dumb idiot. He'll tell you why he's cutting a, you apart. Yeah, exactly. He'll tell you why you're a dumb idiot instead. He'll basically give you the reasoning, the logic behind being the dumb idiot as to both just coming up with the conclusion. Exactly. Okay, well, there's where we go. Okay, so 2012 coming up. This is the last time you'll be on the show this year. What is your sense and reaction to things we might expect from Apple? That connected TV, perhaps? God, I hope not. You know, I have read so much about the connected TV, and I hope it doesn't come to pass because it's just, just, just a, an egregiously stupid idea. You know, I was wondering this, too. We have that famous quote that Steve Jobs had cracked the method, the secret of getting into the living room, which was quoted in the book. And I sort of thought here, the Machiavellian conclusion... Jobs knows that people are going to be looking for insights into what Apple is going to be doing in the future, knowing, and Steve must have known at that point, that he doesn't have long for this world. He threw it in there for the value of just the hype that people would start speculating. You know, I think it's also possible that Walter Isaacson may have misunderstood what he heard. Uh, you know, because there are there are these little mistakes and 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 omissions and and um, errors throughout the book. You know, Isaacson isn't a perfect biographer, um, so you know it's entirely possible that that he may have misinterpreted something that Steve said, or you know, Steve may have just thrown this out there, you know, just for the hell of it or whatever. Either way, the thing about Isaacson, remember, he's a former editor of Time Magazine, a writer, a biographer. He's not a tech guy. Very important. Not a tech guy. Right, exactly. So that could explain a lot or not explain. We don't know. And I assume possibly before the book was published, maybe Mrs. Jobs had a look at it too and had comments to make. Although I understand the only recommendation made with regard to the book was the cover. So you can tell that book by the cover because that's what Steve Jobs chose. Okay, Peter Cohen, tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do. Um, I uh, write for the loop for loopinsight.com, and I also contribute to Engadget. Um, and uh, I have a weekly podcast called Angry Mac Bastards. We work blue. That means that we use uh, some, some uh, socially inappropriate language, but uh, you can find me there as well. Socially inappropriate depending on your venue. Peter yeah, Cohen, indeed. thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. It's always a pleasure. Happy New Year, man. Same to you, my friend. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. 
Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The gadget man himself, Steve Crucian, Mr. Gadget. We're going to talk about the gadgets that you might get for last-minute Christmas shopping, wait for after Christmas. We're going to explore a lot. So, Steve... Welcome aboard. I understand you are on the road. You're not in your normal locale. That is correct. I'm on the road at the tail end of my annual holiday tour, which will conclude on Saturday I go home. So basically, when the people are listening to the show, you'll be on your way home. Uh, That is very likely. Okay, so looking at the gadgets of the year, have you got any candidates? Well, clearly, uh, iPhone 4S is up there, despite its uh, detractors. And people who say, oh, it, does, it really doesn't add very much. All the hype is with Siri. But I know people who have it. I don't know anyone who has it who doesn't love it. And, and of course, Siri is, is the big draw. But performance is fine. And oddly enough, uh, we've all heard from people who have terrible things to say about AT&T, uh, their service. Uh, I have recently, along the way, on my, my many trips, a city a day here, um, run into people who have the iPhone. I ask them who's their carrier. They say, uh, most of them say AT&T, which we'll get into in a moment. Uh, and I always ask, do you have any performance or service issues? I have yet to meet anyone of, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 people who has had a complaint about AT&T service. And yet they're, you've seen the reviews uh, online how, and, and article, news articles about how poor their service is. Theirs is the worst. I just, I'm an AT&T subscriber. I don't find it either. My son, of course, of course, is on our family plan, and he doesn't like AT&T. I don't know why his experience is different, but point is, I, I'm not so sure. If you don't live in New York City or in uh, San Francisco, where it is packed, and admittedly, they may have some service issues, although I haven't experienced it, AT&T is fine. Now, it's important when it comes to iPhone, though, to look at a couple of things, because now, of course, they're available on Sprint and on Verizon. And you have to know that I believe it is only the AT&T version that allows multitasking. I'm, I'm not, I know for sure on Verizon you can't be on the phone and then be doing something else, looking something up or what have you. I'm not sure about Sprint. Are you? I had Sprint a long time ago, and the service was very poor. Well, that, that has to do with uh, their area coverage, but my question has to do with 
whether you can multitask if you are a Sprint user uh, with an uh, with an iPhone. You can't because it's CDMA. Well, that's what I what I guessed. That, that is the the technology is what doesn't allow it, and and of course both of those Verizon and Sprint are CDMA. So I'll, I'll go with that. Um, so if you have an iPhone, or frankly, if you have any smartphone, if you're not able to do multitasking, it almost defeats the purpose of having one because of the of the convenience factor of being able to do so many things at the same time. It's very convenient if you're in the midst of conversation with someone that you uh, can go out on the web and look something up. Or in the case of a, a boring uh, conversation you're having, you could be texting someone on the side or whatever else you might want to be doing. So I just, that's just my two cents worth uh, on, on iPhone. Now, Android phones, a lot of buzz on a, on a lot of different models. Folks can look up the reviews and see what, what's hot, what's the buzz on Android phones. And I know people who have them and love them. And I also know people who have them and use them as, a, as the appliance that, frankly, a, a phone is, and they don't get into a lot of the other capabilities. Um, but uh, I have yet to find anyone who's experienced both iPhone and an Android phone who doesn't prefer, to some degree, iPhone. On the other hand, I have friends who looked at iPhone because I told them, don't, don't buy a phone unless you at least look at iPhone. I mean, uh, at least have the experience. And I know a lot of those people who have, frankly, bought Android phones and love them. So Now, the thing I wonder about the Android phone is there are known interface glitches. You know, it's not as responsive to touch. It has raggedness when it's trying to do some of the special effects on the screen that are so fluid Absolutely. on the iPhone. And I wonder if people are looking at that overlooking it and looking at maybe the larger screen or the better specs or something else. I'm absolutely certain that is the case because when you have an iPhone, we, we all know that they just work, just like their computers. It, they just work. There are really no performance issues except for people who are really bummed about not having uh, the ability to do things in, in Flash on, uh, on an iPhone. But that aside, I think that um, uh, people do overlook whatever shortcomings they uh, either uh, experience or somehow perceive about uh, Android. And yes, they, they do have performance issues. And in addition, Android on one device is not necessarily the same Android experience on another device because it's, it is what it is. The carriers and, and uh, manufacturers of the handsets can tweak the software to suit themselves. So you're, it's not like, obviously, on an iPhone. An iPhone is an iPhone is an iPhone. No matter who, who's, uh, which carrier you're on, the the user experience, that is, the ability to navigate the phone and use the touchscreen and all that kind of stuff, um, is going to be the same. But not true on Android devices. Absolutely. And the other issue, of course, is you have no guarantee that the software that came with your phone isn't going to be the last one. If there's a security fix needed, some critical change, you can't get it because it's carrier's discretion, and that could That's be a problem. Right. You're, you are absolutely right. And in addition, you know, I can transition from phones to Android tablets, for example. Uh, I've, been, I've played with a few, and, of course, the, is it the Galaxy 
tab that is you know all the rage. Great performance uh, is claimed, and I'm sure it's fine. But there are some other uh, lesser uh, type uh, Android tablets, even with uh, uh, you know a big 10 inch screen or close to 10 inch screen, that the user experience is entirely different because the the processor is a little anemic, shall we say, or the um, uh, ability to download apps is different. I I, I know of of one. Um, uh, that you can't just go to the Android apps store and buy apps. You have to go through their portal. And that's a head-scratcher. doesn't make sense to me to not allow that. Because you want the uniformity. You know, sometimes having an open environment can cause chaos. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I had, I've had high hopes for these devices, and some are better than others. They're just, they're, it, it's not the same. There is not, that uniformity is not there. You're absolutely right. You see, on a personal computer, you know, you want sometimes to have this extra power. You want to be the power user. You could finagle with the computer. Apple has kind of actually lessened that with Mac OS X because they want the predictability, which a lot of people want. They just want to get down and do their stuff and get on with their lives. Now, when you buy a smartphone, you kind of think it ought to be more like that. You know, you have this tiny little thing there, and predominantly it was supposed to be a telephone, but of course now it's a lot more. Now it does the email, and you can run apps and play games on it, but you don't have the time to sit there and fiddle with these arcane settings. At least most people don't. And I think that's why, for example, the iPhone gets such a better, a superior usability rating. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It, it, the people, if given the opportunity, if given the choice, if if having it uh, exp- uh, expressed to them and explained, why wouldn't they choose to have a uniform experience across many devices, or to know that whatever they buy today is going to operate the same uh, with same user interface and familiar operating characteristics as when they get whatever the new device may be. Um, And we know from experience that it isn't the case, it isn't going to happen when they get an Android device, be it a phone or a tablet. We have Steve Krush and Mr. Gadget. We're catching up on some of the coolest gadgets of 2011. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hi friends, this is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption, you can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. 
Hi, this is Peter Kronstrommel from Midas Resources. As you know, the federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. You can't argue with success, and many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products, like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet, or Human Growth Hormone Support menopause specialist for women and joint specialist see these and many other quality affinity health products for men and women online at affinityhealthproducts.com that's a-f-f-i-n-i-t-y healthproducts.com or call in your orders at 877-888-7126 that's 1-877-888-7126 trust your health to the makers of ali c the world's best garlic extract Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. Do you have a gardener who loves tomatoes on your Christmas list? If so, pay close attention because we've got them covered this year. Tomato Lovers Christmas Heirloom Seed Kits are now available and make the perfect Christmas gift for gardeners of all ages. Here's why. Heirloom Seed Kits contain the best love. These are the old-time varieties that taste like tomatoes tasted when you were a kid. Here's what you get in the kit. Amish Paste, German Pink, Tommy Toe, Cherokee Purple, Chocolate Cherry, Green Zebra, Italian Roma, and my personal favorite, Brandywine. You also get a $25 jumbo packet of our Christmas Slicing Mix. And the best part, the highest germination rates and absolutely no GMOs. But we're not done yet. You'll also receive an Heirloom Solutions gift certificate for $25, a pack of cilantro, even a pack of basil at no additional cost. Over $100 now, just $49.95, and we'll even ship it for free. To order Tomato Lover's Christmas Heirloom Seed Kit, go to tomatoloverschristmas.com. That's tomatoloverschristmas.com. Or call 800-215-3972. That's 800-215-3972. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Steve Krush and Mr. Gadget, we're catching up on the coolest the greatest, the fab. That's too old. That ages me. Gadget yes. in 2011. So we're talking about smartphones and Android and the iOS. Now, when it comes to tablets, it looks to me like it is the iPad if you want the full-feature tablet. If you don't have the money and maybe you want to concentrate just on 
ebooks and simple email and looking at videos. Supposedly, the Kindle Fire is it. Have you played with the Kindle Fire? Have not had a chance to do that. I'm looking forward to that when I get home next week. But you know, there are others too. The Barnes and Noble device has gotten some really nice reviews. And one of the things that struck me between uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble are the impression that the video clarity on the Amazon device is not as good as on the newest of the Barnes & Noble devices, which I thought, gee, that's kind of odd, but it makes sense when you read the specs and see what people's hands-on impressions have been on both of them. While the Kindle Fire has received the bulk of the press as far as new e-reading devices are concerned, I think to look elsewhere is a smart thing to do as well. And that includes not just looking at Barnes & Noble, but also Kobo, which I've had the pleasure of, of trying before in one of their earlier devices, the, the Kobo Touch. But now they have the Kobo Vox, which uh, is it's $200 for the Kobo Vox, but you can find it at Kobo.com. Look at it and take a look at its specs and its capabilities only because it's important to make sure you know the field before you take the plunge to whichever device it is. Now, this is the same price as the Kindle Fire. Is it also a 7-inch tablet? It is exactly that. How do they make a profit at it? I mean, if you look at reports about the Kindle Fire, they all say it's $200 for sale, but it costs like $225, $250 to build. So how does this other company make a profit? It's very simple because they know that if you have such a device, you're going to want to populate it with content. Not everything is free. So if you have any intentions on reading, buying books, you're going to buy it through the easy portal that each manufacturer provides. Now, granted, you can hook up with your local library and download books, you know, digital content. A lot of books are, are available that you can use uh, or that you can read on your e-reading device. Plus, of course, you can download audiobooks and listen to them there. And again, through the public libraries, most major public library systems, they have capability of, of downloading that con- content in that way, too. When you download a book that is for reading from a library, they give you, let's say, two weeks and then it self-destructs, which is really smart. Like you have to renew your book uh, when the time is up. If you don't turn it in, if you're not finished with it, well, basically you just uh, re-request this book. And I've also learned that when a public library has a book available for download, it's not an unlimited number. They have a license for 10 or 12 or 15 copies, and you may have to wait in line to download one of these uh, books from your library. I think that's a small price to pay. The, The point is that there's myriad content available, not just from the manufacturers. And yes, they want you to buy books and buy whatever else they're selling, but there are other ways to get your books. Maybe not the latest and greatest, but let's face it, there are millions of books out there that are worthwhile reads and not just the latest and greatest. But many people are avid readers and they like to look at the newest content, whatever the genre may be that is of interest to them. They should have it available. If you are such an avid reader and you get one of the three devices we've been referencing here, the way that the companies make money is because you're going to buy books, which typically are more costly in many cases than buying paperback version of the book, uh, you know, hard copy, or, or sometimes more than even the, the hard copy price. It's very strange how the prices work. It's strange uh, you, to me because you think the mm-hmm. cost of a book is so dictated by the cost of printing. 
and production. And now suddenly you've got this new environment where the basic production of the book is no more difficult. You save it as a file and people download the file, no printers, no paper, no trees, environmentally safe. It costs probably from three to five dollars per copy less to make that book. Why shouldn't it cost less? Well, why shouldn't they charge with it what the market will bear? If you think of it from a business standpoint, from a consumer standpoint, we want as close to free as we can get. I get that. But if you owned the company and had to report to stockholders, you'd want to report the, the greatest profit possible. And if people are willing, not only buy the hardware, but to pay for downloading the content, hey, mission accomplished, right? Exactly. At least it's one way. It's one way of doing things. Let's move on to some other stuff here. Pass the phones, pass the pads. It sounds almost like Peter Piper and his pickled peck of pickled peppers. There you go. Well, there's some other gadgets here. Yeah. Especially now, you know what? This show is going to be on the air only days before Christmas. Right. Is there any time to get any shopping in? I think so, certainly. Um, you know, for kids, one of the things that I've been looking at and, and I'm talking about this holiday season is a great gift for kids age four to nine. It's called the InnoTab Learning Tablet from VTech. VTech makes wonderful products for kids. It's a really a, a, a terrific company, but it has technology similar to the grown-up tablets. You know, it's got a touchscreen and tilt sensors and, of course, lots of apps, but it's only $80, which is a real plus. And, you know, kids don't need to ha- get their mitts on your, your iPad or other tablet, get them one in that age group for that meets their needs that's for them. And uh, what InnoTab offers is um, well, lots of built-in content for, for starters. There's reading tools and learning games and lots of creative activities. They have lots of things. Well, one thing that's kind of fun called Color and Pop 3D Coloring Book. There are several templates that you can call up and then you click on a bucket of paint on the right side and then wherever you touch on the the cartoon outline, it fills in that defined area with the color you've chosen. And when you're all done doing all that, you just touch a button that animates it. So all the, the bucket and all the stuff on the sides moves away and you get a little jiggle effect on the uh, uh, coloring book. But there's lots of reading content, there's math things, there's a kind of a, a, a spelling game where you tilt and move the, uh, the inner tab so that you can move a ball along a path around obstacles, very common kind of metaphor, and spell the word. So there's lots of this kind of stuff. Plus, you can download more content when it's connected to your PC or Mac. Some are as, as little as uh, $3.00. Um, for single-use kinds of activities, or you can buy cartridges that plug in, some of which are holiday-priced as low as about $15, uh, and others are regular-priced at about $25. So what you have here is a, is a learning tablet that grows with your child, and it, it's a lot of value. And to a certain extent, I'm sure, it costs them uh, maybe close to this amount to create the device, and they're hoping you will buy additional content. It makes sense. But in a tab from VTech is a smart device, a smart product. I can't tell you if it actually, truly, uh, clinically is educational. I, I'm not the right person to evaluate that, certainly. But You're not Dr. Gadget. You're Mr. Gadget. We have Steve Crucian, yeah. Mr. Gadget. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. The perfect water for drinking, bathing, and cleaning right at your fingertips? Yes, you can now have the most powerful water ionizer on the market for less than half the price of competitors. The Genesis Platinum Water Ionizer from Gibson'sHealth.com creates the perfect drinking water of 9.5 pH, automatically cleans every time you use it, and even tells you when to change filters. Other 7-plate water ionizers are priced at two or even $3,000, but the Genesis Platinum is only $16.95. Get yours today at Gibson'sHealth.com. Under Nutritionals, be sure to click on Essential Oils for Aromatic Liquids extracted from a broad range of flowers, stems, seeds, and bark. And to really balance your body, click on Go Green, the most complete green drink available, necessary for survival. All this and more are found at gibsonshealth.com. Call 800-388-6844. That's 800-388-6844 or gibsonshealth.com. Healthful living since 1974. Discover a natural way to experience cleaner, healthier indoor air without expensive filters and high-priced machines. Discover what healthcare professionals have known for decades. Salt ionizes and purifies indoor air. That's why you need to visit SilverSkyImports.com. SilverSkyImports.com offers a wide assortment of Himalayan crystal salt lamps, handcrafted from salt crystals that are millions of years old, contain healthy ions that eliminate odor, reduce bacteria, and can even help allergy and asthma sufferers, which means you and your family will breathe better, sleep sounder, and have more energy. These salt lamps are available in stunning, natural colors and shapes to accent any home or office, are environmentally friendly, and best of all, they're affordable. And don't forget SilverSkyImports.com also carries gourmet and bath salts. 
Order today at SilverSkyImports.com or call 800-494-1369. That's 800-494-1369. Breathe easier, feel better, live healthier at SilverSkyImports.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Mr. Gadget, Steve Crucian. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg, and we're going over various gadgets past the tablets. How about a printer or a couple of printing devices? You know I love Brother. Okay, uh, now this is the one they test. sent me for review, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Is this the MFCJ825DW? Yeah, this is the kind of smaller one. They have a larger one that does 1117 paper. This is the one right. that uses standard size paper. Yes. Prints, copies, scans, and faxes, as you know. And some of the, the more, st- more important features are front-loading ink cartridges, easy wireless setup, built-in two-sided printing, and the ability to print directly onto optical disks, the ones that are printable with the white tops, and wireless printing from your mobile devices, because there are apps for that. As a matter of fact, I have a free app if you go to MacUpdate.com. Look for apps that can do printing. So, for example, we're printing from the iPhone to the Brother printer. Yeah, it works. It just works. And there's free apps. You know, Brother has their own. Apple has one. But in addition, it has a touchscreen. They call it the Web Connect touchscreen. And there, it allows direct access to Facebook, to Flickr, your Picasso web albums, Google Docs, and other things. And the list price, suggested price, which I think is is very fair, is $150. But I found it through the 24th of the month on Amazon for $80 delivered. It's incredible. As you know from experience, Gene, it's not the fastest printer. It doesn't do anything, any, any single function better than many other devices. But when you consider the price, even at the, at the $150 suggested price, and now with the $80, it's just you can still get for another few days, I don't know of a better value out there. Now, it's, this is a very interesting printer because I got one here. Yep. I have to talk about it. Number one, the cost of consumables is fairly economical. They have these XL consumables good for 600 pages, which is right. typical, you know, the expanded capacity. But their expanded capacity seems to have more expanded capacity than other cartridges I've used. The yep. price is fairly economical. The print quality is decent. If you set it for the higher caliber settings, you'll get really good enough quality. Color is okay. It's mm-hmm. not like quite photo quality. It's a little bit less. But everything about the printer is relatively inexpensive. And I think for most uses, it's perfect. Exactly. Now, I have to say that I, I am an advocate of this. And that is, if you only have one printer, get a laser black and white. Because the cost of purchase, especially a brother, is so little. The cost of consumables is so little. And you can just crank out paper. Not that I want you to anybody to uh, to use more paper than they need to, but the point is, if you need to print, you don't have to say, "Ah, oh, geez, I don't want to do that." So, you know, I've got ink cartridges to change. I got to deal with this, that, and the other. It's so economical. Print to your heart's content, and only use a color printer when you need it, such as this all-in-one uh, from Brother, the MFCJ25DW. Could be that you only want to this moment use the scanning function because your black and white laser printer doesn't doesn't have that or you want a fax or you need color 
then it's great. But for the price of about $100, you can get a Brother 2000 series, HL 2000 series, and you have these amazing capabilities, very economical to operate, great print quality, and all that. And, and you can even get their the wireless version with the W on the end. I've seen it for $129, sometimes $100, depending upon sales. So it is every bit as economical, and more so, I think, than the color, and anybody's color. Get black and white laser first, and then get color if you need it. And because you can get wireless in both, you can put them wherever you want, print from all the devices that you have on hand, whether it's a, a notebook computer, a desktop, or, or a tablet, or a smartphone. And you can print to the, the color model. You can't print, I don't believe, to the black and white models with the same wireless uh, cap- capability as far as printing from mobile devices. But still, come on, people, use your head. I talk to people all the time. Uh, on the, the stations I visit, we talk about the the, um, the color printer, of course, that I'm ta- that I'm I'm showing on television. But I mentioned to them, do you need color? Well, no, not really. Most of the time, then I suggest to them the economy uh, of getting a black and white laser, in particular the brother models, and they have an aha moment. You know, I never thought of that because the industry. Uh, the PR machines have done their very good job of pushing, well, uh, that's maybe unkind, of suggesting these color printers as if that's the only thing in town. But it's not. So we need to be smart consumers. Color is fine, especially if you get one of these for 80 bucks. Get it. Use it as, as much or as little as you like, but for about the same money, you can get a basic uh, black and white laser printer from, from Brother. Or again, if you want a wireless version, it's maybe 120 bucks. But that's the one I want you to use all the time and reserve the color use for only when you need it. Does that make sense? I think so. I think it makes sense depending on what your print output is and exactly. depending on your needs. And I think people have forgotten what laser printers are like. You know, And they used to be very expensive. Sure. And I remember, for example, when I saw the first color laser. And it was so expensive for the consumables. But then you also have to think, my first real laser printer was an Apple LaserWriter 2 in the late 1980s. And the darn thing cost, what, over $3,000 or something. And the toner costs, I don't know, $100. So toner today is not that that much cheaper, but the printers are one-tenth the price. And the Apple LaserWriter 2 used the Canon print engine. So every time, you, as do HP printers, so every time you change the, the toner, you're also putting in a new drum, as you may recall. Exactly. They were very expensive, absolutely. And the price of consumables today, you know, well, you can get a, a, a knockoff laser toner cartridge for any of these for, I don't know, $20 or so, and they, they're good for 2,600 pages. Now, the thing to point out here is if you get knockoff ink, for an inkjet printer, I worry about that because it clogs the heads. But not, not off- always. Not always. I've I've experienced very good luck with many knockoff cartridges. But but you're right. If you want to absolutely do it right, you get the the original equipment brand. Okay, but for laser printers, remanufactured, refilled usually is fine. Sometimes you'll see inconsistency of the quality, so you have to try a couple of these local places that do the recycling. I always look online and go with a, a company I've, I've tried before, but I know from time to time, it hasn't happened to me, but I know from others, uh, even in my family, that have 
bought remanufactured toner cartridges, there may be inconsistency. Maybe the you know the one you get today uh, will not perform well, and that can be an inconvenience. But it, I think it's fairly rare. And I know that all of these companies, if you call them and say, hey, this thing isn't working, they'll just send you another one. Not a big deal. We need to look at uh, just a few more products before we let you go for the holidays. Let me give you you another one. Brother also has a DS700D mobile scanner, which is very compact and lightweight, works on PCs and Mac, and Macs, of course. And, of course, the idea is that you get it organized and go paperless. But this one, at its $200 price, scans both sides in a single pass. And it, not only, and it comes with software, of course. So it not only does documents, but it also does business cards. And you can set up ahead of time how, you want, how to identify the fields and what they are and where they go. So you can go right into your, to your contact uh, management software, whatever it happens to be, whether you know an address book on a Mac or whatever you have on a, on a PC. But it'll also do, of course, photos. It'll also do thicker laminated materials, like insurance cards and driver's licenses. And again, at $200, I think it's a really good value. And just like so many other things that we, that we talk about from time to time, including today, this is not the fastest scanner, but it does everything well as long as you wait. It's just fine, and it's perfect for those road warriors who need to scan their receipts or whatever it happens to be on the road. It doesn't take up much space. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. I'll tell you what, we're going to have to go on the road for just a second with Steve Krush and Mr. Gadget, with Gene on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with BioSuperfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered BioSuperfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The BioSuperfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. BioSuperfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a 
no-brainer. BioSuperfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your BioSuperfood formulas at BioAge.com, spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com, BioAge.com, or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge, the age of advanced organics. In the event of an emergency, do you really trust Obama and the federal government to provide for you and your family? Modern-day emergencies like floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, snowstorms, terrorist attacks, or anything else can strike anywhere, leaving your family vulnerable. That's why you can't afford to be without emergency food supplies. If you're like most people, you know that you need emergency food supplies, but you keep putting it off. So, to help you, Ready Reserve Foods is offering a free sample kit of emergency food so you can test our food for yourself. The food really is free. You simply pay for the shipping and we'll send you the food for free. To get your free sample kit of emergency food, simply call 800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Again, that's 1-800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Don't wait. Call now because the free sample kits are limited. So call 800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Burglars love easy targets, like a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television, so from outside it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, comes with AC adapter, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and give one or more for Christmas. Now through Christmas, get free standard shipping on any quantity fake TV purchase. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night How Live. We've got Steve Crucian, Mr. Gadget, talking about this Road Warrior version of a scanner. This must be really cool. You pick up at one of these business meetings all these crazy business cards, and you want to kind of settle down and get them electronically. Exactly. It just it works fabulously. Uh, and the, I've only evaluated the software on the Mac side. So I can I have to assume that it does okay on the Windows side, but again, it's two hundred dollars. It's not as expensive or as large as let's say the more fully functioned and featured Fujitsu scanners. I think uh, they have mobile scanners uh, as well that work on Mac and PC. But this is just bus powered, USB bus powered, whereas the Fujitsu is. Very, very slow when it's USB powered, but it comes with an AC adapter. It also comes with an automatic document feeder. It's, it's a more robust product, but it's also a lot larger. And, of course, it costs a lot more. So I've got some other ideas for you. Okay, I've, more I've, ideas. I want yeah. them. Good. I've been playing with a, a Samsung digital camera. It's 16 megapixels. It's called the MV, like Michael Victor, 800. 
and to my knowledge, it's the only compact point-and-shoot with a flip-up rotating screen. It rotates 180 degrees, so for all you narcissists, it's great for self-portraits, but also angling the screen for high and low shots. But what is really unique about it is the touch screen, which when you, you look at it and you swipe across it, it's like swiping through pages of smartphone apps on this touch screen. There are so many effects and filters uh, that you can apply. Plus, you can do some a fair degree of editing in the camera without being hooked up to a computer. And lots of filters so that you have, um, you know, special lighting effects and other special effects like, uh, let's say, the look of old film, for example. And they ha- even have built in now a face warping feature. You touch the button to do that. And you can contort somebody's face. Now, granted, you're, this is not—you're not, not going to point and boom shoot. You're going to have to take some time to set this up so you can warp the face the way you'd like. And there are certain preset warpages, if you will. But then they have—I the always so wanted a preset warpage. I can barely yes. say it. Yes, but it, it's a lot of fun. I'm not sure it's for the serious snap shooter, but it, it has its touch of whimsy. And it's a lot of fun. Decent pictures, not necessarily the best. But for people who want to have some fun, it's terrific. And it's a $279 list price. But for the holidays, of course, I found it at at only $200. And speaking of last-minute gifts, you can't miss with personalized photo gifts. So I went to cbsphoto.com. We uploaded personal family photos. And my wife, who we refer to as the long-suffering Mrs. Gadget, she created these last-minute gifts, greeting cards, photo books. You can do a little 4x6 or an 8x10 photo book or even a calendar. And on the calendar, not only can you do the upper page, so to speak, of this flip page calendar with whatever photos you want and and some minor degree of captioning. That's a a little bugaboo uh, of mine. I'll explain in a minute. But in each month, and each day of the month, you can put in whatever information you like to remind folks of birthdays or special events or holidays, whatever you want. It's free form, and you can just load it up. And, and I think that's under $20. It's, and so you can do it online, which is the way I recommend, because you have more features and capabilities. For example, the calendar, you got 12 months, my friend, and it may take you uh, an hour to do each one to get it the way you want. That's a lot of time. You're not going to be standing at the Kodak picture kiosk in any of the CVS photo centers. You want to do that online. And the same with uh, the photo books. But you can go on, on into the store with a, you know, a memory card or a stick or a disc, or whatever it happens to be, and you can do most of these things, not all, most of these things right there in the store. But the advantage to doing it online is you can choose which store you're going to have it picked up. And you can do it so that you can create it, let's say, on the West Coast and have it picked up by a relative on the East Coast in their local store. And you can just pay for it yourself before they pick it up. It's really smart, great last-minute ideas because you can do one of these exclusive of the creative aspect. But once you click go, it might be ready in as little as an hour to an hour and a half. And, And I'm sure with the holiday rush upon us, it may take a little bit longer. Great ideas and fun. Now, if we didn't have the crunch of time due to the holidays when you could do, take, do things at more of a leisurely play, uh, pace, 
You can get mugs. You can get playing cards with pictures on them. You can get mouse pads. You can even get blankets with fo- with photos on them. So there's lots of ideas from CVSphoto.com. I think they're smart, and it's good last-minute ideas. We need all the good last-minute ideas. Okay, so before we wrap up, we've reached the point here where the holidays are over, and all right, so we didn't get all the gadgets, or maybe we did get all the gadgets we hoped to get, and now after Christmas, we look at the sales. Pick up mm-hmm. the things we didn't get a chance to buy. Well, I don't think we're going to find special sales on, on any of the Apple merchandise. They don't do that. They don't play that game. But for folks who are PC-oriented, Windows PC-oriented, I would expect, as we typically see uh, most years, maybe not every year, but I expect to find Windows computers uh, uh, still on sale, great prices. Another great uh, gadget, if you want to call it that, for the holidays and post-holiday season what about a new television? The prices on these sets, and some of them, uh, has really come down. And you know, you know I won't I... mention the brand, but my sister-in-law had a situation where their 25-year-old TV started smoking. They had to call the fire department down, pull the set out. You know, no external damage to the apartment. But they got a cheap 40-inch LCD TV for mm-hmm. something like, I don't know, $350? That sounds about right. You know, you get those, the, the cheap ones, like the, the Westinghouse brands and some of the even lesser-known brands. That are Actually, this was an quality. Hitachi, I think. Really? Hitachi LCD? That's, that inexpensively? That's amazing. 1080p resolution? Not bad. I'd say the picture wasn't perfect, if no. you're a critic. But if you say, hey, this is good enough, this is good enough. Well, that's the whole thing when it comes to, to TVs. I love and appreciate plasma, and I personally would never buy a set that wasn't plasma. Because the best of the LCDs with the edge-lit or back-lit LEDs still cannot quite compare uh, to a plasma from Panasonic or LG or Samsung. Those are your three suppliers for plasma. And you find great value. Even if it's a 720p plasma set, most people cannot tell the difference between 720p and 1080i for broadcast. And the fact is, and we've talked about this before, some networks like Fox, for example, only broadcasts in 720p. So your 1080i set is wasted. And it's, it's a shame, but for around $1,000, uh, you can get a 50 or even 55-inch, in some of them, plasma TV that is just knock your socks off gorgeous. And you don't have the viewing angle problem like you do with LCD. You can look at it from extreme angles, high and low, and it's going to look great. And in addition, anything that is moving across the screen is going to look great on all plasma sets. Not necessarily so on LCDs. I think that's the big difference. So if you're watching football or a big action movie on that $350 Hitachi, you might say, you know what? It's a little blurry. Where do we find more stuff from Steve Crucian, and Mr. Gadget? As usual, go to my website at mrgadget.com, and there's there's a, a, a link to a, a, a document that continues to change all the time. Uh, and you just need to click on, on uh, the link to High Tech Holidays. Or you can see below on the main page, you'll see a link to uh, uh, timeless, can't-miss gift suggestions. And so it doesn't necessarily have to do with holidays. It's anytime gifts. And these are the staples 
uh, of gifting, uh, as I refer to them, because they know no time. I'll tell you what, we are just about out of time. Find us at Tech Night Owl. Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Go to technightowl.com for all the goodies I write each and every week. We have the other radio show, The Paracast, at paracast.com, about UFOs, things that go bump in the night. The Paracast at Paracast.com. Thanks and a special happy holidays wish to Steve Crucian, Mr. Gadget, for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and I certainly wish each and every one of your millions of listeners a very happy holiday season and a healthy one, too. Thank you. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.